So we're glad you're here. Welcome. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor, and we're going through this series called Ology, and, and which is literally means the study of. So the study of a subject or topic, and and what we're looking at is sort of the the subcategories within theology. So we have theology, the study of God, the broader kind of umbrella, and then with under that is all these different areas of faith that we are studying. And and this morning, what we're studying is is I'm going to guess maybe for a lot of us. Uh, Maybe we haven't heard a sermon on this particular topic, but we're talking about the church. You came to church to hear us talk about church. It's kind of odd, but maybe you haven't heard a sermon on what the church is and why does it exist and how did it start and and like, what's the whole point of doing all of this? And and I want to start by asking a really simple question that uh, that I, I'm gonna, again, I'm, I'm gonna assume you maybe haven't really thought out the answer to. And not that you can't, not that it's like too hard, but that you just haven't really dedicated time because in the busyness of life, it just, you just sort of do it, but you haven't really thought about like, yeah, how, what, what would I say to that? And, and here's, here's the question, ready? Why do you attend church? Why do you come? Yeah, I see you all here, right? You're here right now. Uh, For those who are tuning online, you're tuning in online right now. You like had to go out of your way to go, to go either log on or to get here in person. And, and, and why do you do it? Why are you here today? And, and listen, you could be doing any number of a host of a myriad of different things, Right? Um, How many of you um, have like a a project list at home where you're like, I got projects? Anyone? You're like, oh yeah, yeah. In fact, you bringing that up just like ruined my day. (laughs) Like you could be home right now. You have, you know, you got this extra hour plus drive time, plus or minus, like you could be doing projects, but you're not, you're here. Uh, If you are into sports right now, there's some football games going on, right? It's 10 a.m. It's like 10 a.m. games. I could, you could be home watching football, but you're not, you're here. Listen, why, why are you here? And, and the answer can't be like, well, my wife got me up and made me get in the car and like, we just do it. We have to do it. I have to do it or else. Why are you, really, why are you here? Instead of doing all of that stuff, you chose to come to 20080 Pinebrook Boulevard. That's our address. That's where we are. It's where you currently res- like are sitting right now. And, and you chose to do that um, to New Hope Church. And, and I could say this, I, I, like unashamedly, I could say that, that New Hope Church undoubtedly, undoubtedly, without question, is the single greatest church <laughs> on Pinebrook Boulevard. <laughs> Did you know that? We are. I mean, we're, we're the only, so we're also the worst church on Pinebrook. But you chose to be here. Why? Maybe you love the worship, right? Worship band's great. They rehearse. Like, it's like, wow. It's, I mean, it's really, like, honestly, we're spoiled. Like, it's great. Maybe you come for worship. But listen, what if worship changed? Or, or what if you showed up one day and we're like, hey, you know, the, all the instruments broke and, you know, caught fire. Like, no worship today. Would you still come? Okay, so it's not worship. Sorry. Sorry, Brian. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, maybe you love the preaching. Okay, I got quiet. I was like, wait, you know, you don't have to, I guess, right? 
Maybe you love the preaching or the preacher, and so that's why you pick this church, or you go to another church, or like you're trying or whatever. Like in the past, you've kind of gone to the church where the person was, and, and maybe it's just like, I just, man, I, I connect with the preaching, and that's, that's why I go to church. But isn't that why you go to church? What happens? What happens when the preacher changes? Now, listen, don't start any rumors. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, do, I'm not, I'm not making an announcement. I'm, but, I'm, but listen, pastors change and, and churches change. What happened? Do you stop going to church now if your favorite guy isn't on the stage anymore? Okay, good. Hopefully it's no. Like, the correct answer is no. I don't just stop going because my guy's not on the stage anymore. It can't be just because of the, the, who the person is on the stage. So, so listen, why do, why? why do you do this? Why do you get yourself dressed up in your nicest clothes or semi-nicest clothes and, and, and come to church every Sunday? Today, we look at ecclesiology, the study of the church. And, and so we're gonna um, spend some time talking about what church is and, and how it started and, and what, what, like, what's the why behind it all. But before we do, we're gonna answer this question, what is the church? But before we do, I wanna mention what it's not because there's a lot of misconceptions about what church is um, in, in society and in culture, in our world, but also probably in us, like our understanding of church. And so I wanna go through four things the church is not. First, the church is not a country club. Not country clubs aren't bad, right? I'm sure a number of us are members of country clubs and, and you get access and you pay for access and special, you know, special deals or, or special access to the whatever. And like, all right, you kind of get like, all right, I'm a member. I'm a member, so I get to go to do this thing and, and only members can do it. Only members can be a part of it. But, but church is not that, open only to a select few. And what's, what's crazy, what's interesting is people, people have this idea about church though. Maybe not so much us because you're here. And so if that were the case, you're like, well, I guess I'm, I'm in the country club. And, and yeah, most of you will stay. Um, some we're gonna talk afterwards. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, but I've, I've literally had people, this is crazy. When we do our big events and we invite like neighbors and friends and stuff to like pumpkin patch or like gingerbreads coming up, um, we'll, we'll say like, hey, you know, if you wanna come to this. And I, I remember having one lady in particular who doesn't go to a Christian church, certainly not our church. And, and, uh, and she said, but wait, that's just for your church people, right? Like you, we couldn't come to that. Oh, yeah. Like that's kind of why I'm inviting you. <laughs> But, but like your idea is, oh, you do stuff just for your group and your people and that's it. No, that's not church. It can't be church. That can never be us. We can never get to a point where it's like, it, you know, it's us four and no more, right? It's like, this is us, no one else. Church is also not a supermarket where you shop to meet your needs, right? You guys go shopping, right? And you have your supermarket and that's like your places you go. I mean, it's a part of your life where it's like, this is where we shop. We all have our different spots, but church is not like that. And, and what's hard is, is like, we use this language and I'm not, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I think it's here to stay, so I can't change it. We'll even say this, oh, I'm church shopping. We use that terminology. I'm literally shopping for the church that I want. Oh, church is just a supermarket with, you know, you got to have the right stuff on the right aisles. If you don't have all the things that I need, then I'm going to go to this other church. Or you should, if you start, if you build these aisles, then maybe I'll come as though like, that's what we're trying to do is just like, you know, be as attractional as possible. Like, no, that's, the church is not a supermarket. The church is not a theater. 
It's not a movie theater where you just show up and you're like, just, hey, you know what? Hey, hey, stop. Just, just entertain me. Just, just, just put on a good show. I just, I just like coming to the show. And then when we're done, we get out. No, church is not that. Where you come to be entertained. And church is not a museum where you show up and, and, uh, and you look at, you know, maybe the facilities or the building and you're sort of like, oh, wow, it's great. I really like, I really love the building of my church, like the facility. That's why I go. The facilities are just so much better. Oh, but is that the church? Would the church cease to exist if this building ceased to exist? And, and if you go to Europe, you'll see this. If you've ever traveled, you know this. You've been around and you've visited churches and, and they're beautiful, these, these cathedrals, and, and they're impressive, but they're empty. They're dead. It's not a vibrant congregation. They're not like worshiping Jesus. They're not like, like, like being a light in their community. None of that. It's just like take pictures and like look at it all. Wow, I bet one day this was probably, like back in the day, this was the place to be. Now it's, we just look at it. Church is not that. So what is church? Okay, ready for this? I'm gonna say this. I hope I get an amen because uh, if you can't agree with this, then uh, we have a problem. Here it is, ready? The church is essential. Is that right? Listen, this last year, this pandemic has revealed a lot to us. What you didn't know though, what you didn't know that will be revealed to you is if you are essential or not. You don't even know that we categorized in those terminology and, and what you do, whatever your job is, either you are an essential worker or a non-essential worker. Like, oh, I'm just, my, literally, my life is optional. I'm just like the fluff. Like I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the stuff that you decorate around the meat, but I'm not the, I'm not the meal. Like I'm just other foods. Huh. Is that a bad analogy? Is that, is that? I actually like that a lot. Like I just eat the steak. Like the other stuff is just wasting room for my steak. <laughs> we, went through, we went through this last year and it was those who are essential and those who aren't. And the church, it was decided by local governing authorities that the church was not part of the essential workers, but we were actually classified as arts and entertainment. Did you know that? Did you know that? Hence, we have the same regulations as movie theaters because that's what we were. And we can debate over like who, whose fault and right or wrong or, or like how it was decided or motives. Okay, but in the end, the church was deemed not essential by our, by our local, by our governors and government. And then the national government just said it was essential. And then state, some states said, no, it's not essential. And, that, and it became this whole thing. And, and I remember, I remember, being here on Sundays in like two summers ago when it first happened and everything was shut down and nobody really knew what, what COVID was. We just knew it was worse than we thought it originally or we, this is worse than just a normal thing. And, and, and it was shut down everything and we were online only. Do you remember this? You're watching at home and I would come here on a Sunday and we'd have our, you know, our tech booth and then our worship team and we were all here and it was it. And, and empty chairs and it was like, this is just weird. You show up to an empty parking lot on a Sunday morning at this time, at right now, like during this time, empty, gone, everyone's gone. And this is what killed me. This is what killed me so much. I would look across the parkway and Walmart was full of cars, full. And here's why. You guys didn't know this. Walmart is essential to your life. You didn't know this until they told you, but Walmart was essential across the parkway. We were not. Now, let's talk about this because biblically, biblically, the church is not an option. 
It's not optional. It isn't a, hey, this is on top of other things. Like, hey, if you have time for it, or, you know, if you're alive, if you, if it, if you find room for church, maybe you can add this to all the other things going on in life. Oh, no, no, no. When you read the scriptures, this does not talk about like, if you can make it, be a part of a church. Oh, no. Church is essential. The church, the word church literally means, um, uh, is literally, is, uh, in the Greek, the word is ekklesia. Okay, let me teach you a Greek word, right? You're gonna say it with me. Ekklesia, go ahead. Ekklesia. Great, you're a Greek scholar. Okay, this word literally is the word that we use for church, but it doesn't mean church. Like church is kind of a, an odd term. It's a, it's a term we've given it, but it literally means an assembly or a gathering or literally means the called out ones. It was, a, it was a group of people that would gather together and that, all right, that, that, over, that over there is an ecclesia. So when they start using this in scripture and they start using this word ecclesia, it didn't have a context. Like it's, it's weird to think about this. We're gonna look at, at what Jesus says here in a second, but, but in Jesus's time, the, there was no church. Do you know that? It's, it's kind of an odd thought. Jesus didn't go to church. There wasn't a church. He went to synagogue and he went to Jewish synagogues and, and would teach there. But like the church, like you and I know it, didn't exist. There was no word for it. So they're having to come up with, how, what do we call this thing? This church, this ecclesia. And it's referred to, this, the, the, body, the church is referred to as, as the body of Christ. In Colossians Paul talks specifically about the body of Christ and that Jesus is the head of this body. And in 1 Peter, it's described as a, as a new temple or that God is making a new temple, not the old temple, but now the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of believers is this new temple where God lives. This, this, some translations call it a, a new spiritual house or spiritual home. And, 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 it, and then uh, like in the next sentence, it, it says it's a, we are, listen to this. Uh, the church is a holy priesthood. Oh, do you know this? If you're a part of this church, if you're part of the, the church, like you're a follower of Jesus, ready? This is cool. You're a priest or a priestess. That's pretty cool. On your way out, we have collars for you. We're gonna let you go home and wear them. You didn't know that though. You're, you're described as a, a holy priesthood. Now the church is also um, referred to in two different ways and they're, they're very distinct and, and, and important. The first is what we could call local churches, what I like to call small C or little C churches. Paul would write about this in, uh, when he writes his letters. He would say to the church you know, in Rome or the church in Galatia or the church uh, at Corinth. And so I'm, I'm writing specifically to like the ecclesia, the gathering at this location. New Hope is a local church, a, a little C church. That we're a gathering of the ecclesia at this spot, right? In this, this location and, and, and like this, this body of believers, like this group, whatever, whoever's in, like however you define yourself or how, whatever your involvement level is at this church, like you're a part of this local church. But then the, the Bible talks about what's often referred to as the, the universal church or church universal. And this is the big C church. This is the, the worldwide church. We're a part of New Hope Church, but New Hope Church is a part of the church. This is Jesus's church that he sets up. He writes about this in Matthew 16 and he's talking to Peter. And again, remember, Peter has no reference for what he's about to hear. Jesus is gonna to talk to him about church. He has no, he's like, I, this, what do you mean ecclesia? Like, like gathering, I don't, this doesn't make sense. 
Jesus says this, and I tell you, I tell you that you are Peter, which literally means rock. And on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That Jesus is saying, I'm gonna build my, like, my church. And it's gonna start with you, Peter. All right, Lord, I don't know what that means, but okay, I'm in, I'll do it. In Ephesians, Paul writes this, chapter one, and God placed all things under his, Jesus's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who, who fills everything in every way that Jesus, that God, God designed the church, that Jesus built the church and, and God puts Jesus as the head of the church and that we are his body. Church is not optional nor was it set up to be a man-made system or structure or function that like guys got together, like the disciples got together and said, you know what? Um, what's the best way to create a new religion that we know is false? How could we do this? I don't know. What if we just designed something? Let's call it, I don't know, church. That sounds, that sounds innocent enough. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. That's not how the church started. It's not like some guys getting together to try and collaborate on some scheme. It's, it's God saying, I'm gonna, listen, I'm gonna build my church and Jesus is gonna do it. And here's what's gonna happen. Jesus is gonna build it. And they, God, Jesus, they chose to use people to do it. Starting with Peter. This is, this is, um, this is, can be hard to swallow because, ready for this? People are messy. Did you know that? Did you? Did you know that? Listen, there's no such thing as a perfect church. If you find it, here's the joke. Ready? This is the like pastor joke that we, you know, that we sit around lunch just coming up with all these inside jokes. This is what we do. Um, There's no such thing as a perfect church. But if you find one, don't go to it because you will ruin it. (laughs) If you find that perfect church, leave. Leave, don't mess it up. There's no such thing as a perfect church because it's full of people. And they're, none of us, none of us are perfect. So how did this essential church start? What's, what's the beginning of this thing? The church began and a day called Pentecost starts in Acts chapter two. And this is day where the, where, where, uh, where the Holy Spirit is given out and he comes down and it's this whole scene and it's this, uh, this unbelievable experience that believers have because up to this point, like Jesus has died, then he rose again and then he was with them and then he ascends and he's gone. And so now they're just waiting around and there's probably just over a hundred of them and of, of followers of Jesus. And they're literally like, okay, what do we do here? What do we do? He said, he said to wait. He said to wait till the, the promise comes, the, this counselor he promised. Okay, I guess we'll just, we'll literally wait. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And all of a sudden, this ragtag group of people become the most, the, the most fierce and bold force on earth. And they begin this thing called the church, this ecclesia. And we see in Acts chapter two, by the end of the, the first chapter or second chapter of Acts, we get this sort of description, this sort of thesis statement about the church, about what they did. This is the closest thing we have to a description of the early church because there isn't really like a, here's what church is. They do this, A, B, C, and this is, and this is what it means to be a church. It's just simply a, here, let's just describe what they were doing. And that's, and that's how we understand what church is, by, by seeing what other believers did in the early church. And here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship to the breaking of bread and a prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts outside the main, the temple area, like together collectively, all all in one large group. And then it says, and they they broke bread in their homes and ate with together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This, this is a beautiful description of the church and how it's supposed to function. And here's the deal. The church today, even New Hope Church, the, the way we set this up is to resemble that very description. We have these same things. Did you know that? We have teaching. We have time for teaching. Absolutely. We're doing it right now. We have fellowship. We have, do we, you guys are generous. We have, a, we have a very generous church. We experience and practice generosity and helping giving people in need. Oh, we, we do those things. We meet in large gatherings right now. And we meet, also meet in homes. So a number of us are in what we call small groups where, hey, we're gonna do church. We're gonna make big church small and we're gonna meet together in homes just like they did 2,000 years ago. They broke bread together and guess what? We eat meals together. Boy, can the church eat meals together, right? We're good. We're good at church lunches. They praise God. Oh man, we praise God all the time. Uh, there, there's, there's very, like, it's hard to come up with a description or a definition of the church. Um, this one that I found, it's, it's kind of technical, um, uh, but it, it really encapsulates like what makes a church distinct. So I'll read it. It comes from the book called Doctrine. And here's what it says. The local church is a community of, this is a big word here, regenerated believers, a technical word, like born again, regenerated believers um, who have new life now. The old is gone, the new has come, who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That's it. Local church is a community of regenerated believers who confess that Jesus is Lord. All right, if that's you, you confess Jesus is Lord, you're in. You're part of it. Then it goes on, this continue, continue this explanation. And it says this, in obedience to scripture, they organize under qualified leadership, gather regularly for preaching and worship, observe the biblical sacraments of baptism and communion. We're gonna do that later today. Are unified by the Holy Spirit and are disciplined for, for our holiness and scatter to fulfill the great commission and the great commandments as missionaries to the world for God's glory and their joy. This is an incredible description and this is unique only to the church. You go to Target, that's not their mission statement, right? We wanna sell you better stuff than Walmart. That's like what they should write on their wall. This is unique specifically to the church. This is the only organization. This is why it's not optional because if the church doesn't exist anymore, then these stop happening. This doesn't exist. Church is essential. Now, how is this essential church Organized. Um, now, uh, I'm maybe, I don't think I'm gonna step on toes, but I might. I know that there are people now who get uncomfortable at this next part, but scripture says it, so do we. There are plenty of people who hate the fact that the church is organized. And they'll say, hey, I just, I'm just not into organized religion. And though I understand that statement and what they're saying, I don't, I don't understand how how, um, how the church being organized is the only instance of organization that's negative. Think of the rest of your life, right? Hey, 
My sock drawer right now, it's organized, right? And like the Lord, when he made it, it is good. <laughs> you go to your closet, right? You have some sort of organization system set up because organization is good. We, we, we buy planners and we organize our lives and we get apps and we try and make every, we want everything to fit in its right spot. And some of us more than others, right? Yeah, and you know that. You, and here's, the, here's how you know who that is. You just know it. <laughs> you live your life and you realize I'm kind of a neat freak. And I like organization. I love organizing things. Even if it's not my things. I'll just organize stuff and it just feels so good. And there's people in this room and like, that's you. And th like, that's not me. Like I I'll, I'll be organized enough, but like, you know, if there's something on the counter that's like, hey, that shouldn't be there. All right, I'll get rid of it. I'll just cover it with something else. And then like, it's gone. It's good. It's fine. It's, you know, I, I know where it's at. It's no big deal. But only when we talk about organized religion that we, we some, that, that like for our religion, we want to be organized that it's a negative. What's the alternative? Ready? What? Unorganized religion? Disorganized? Like we want chaotic. You know what I want? I'm not really for organized religion. I love chaotic religion. That's what I love. <laughs> People will say, I don't like organized religion. And the re honestly, that's not what they don't like. 10 times out of 10, they don't like a negative experience they've had at a church. And so they swear all of it off. That I had a bad experience at church or, or I observed a bad experience maybe in someone else's life or on TV. And so therefore I'm against all of it. And that's what you're responding to. That's what people are responding to when they say this is I'm, I'm, I'm against, I'm against what I've seen religion do. Oh man, me too, me too. I work at a church and I'm, yeah. If that's what you're saying organized religion is, yeah. I have problems with what religion has done in the past, certainly. That's not why I go to church. That's not what church is, the ecclesia. That's not what we're doing here. Um, th this is such a prevalent thing right now that um, Dan Kimball, he, uh, he wrote a book a number of years ago now, but, um, and, it, and, it, and it, it describes and addresses this, this entire population. And, uh, and the book is called this, They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. And there's an entire group of people who would say like, hey, I'm all for Jesus and what he taught and love and, right, and, and love, your, love others as you would yourself. And, and like, you're great. But the church, ah, no. Church, they, they just get it wrong. They mess it up. They've, they've never gotten it right. Can I, can I tell you something like my response to that? Uh, when people say like, I don't, I don't need the church to love Jesus. Well, that's, that's true. Like you can love Jesus and follow Jesus without like having, like being at the church to do it, certainly. But to think that you don't need church ever, it's, here's the problem. Here's the problem with this. And in some ways I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, you're at church. Some may be watching online or maybe you'll watch later, but listen, this is the problem with that idea that, that I, I, I can follow Jesus, I can worship Jesus, I can, I can read my Bible without the church, I don't need the church. Jesus, listen, Jesus married the church. In scripture, what we see is that Jesus is the bridegroom to his church, the bride. In fact, it's why we experience marriage, like marriage relationships are a living illustration of Jesus and the church. That's what, that's what Paul says. This is a great mystery, but I'm talking about Jesus and his love for the church. And he died for her and gave his life for her. Jesus loves his bride, the church, us, the ecclesia. We are his bride. So to say, hey, I, I, I can follow Jesus, but 
I don't really like his church. Here's the equivalent, ready? I'm getting to know you or you get to know me and you come over to my house and you say, you know what, Brandon? I really like you, I appreciate you. You know, you, I think you've got, you know, you've said, you know, two good things in your life. And, but I wrote those two down. I remember that, the rest, I, whatever. But, but like, hey, I, I want, I, I, you know, I'd love to get to know you. I, I, yeah, I think we'll hit it off and great. Hey, come on over. Here's the problem though. I can't stand your wife. Oh. Oh, oh really? Yeah, so if you could, if you could just may, maybe have her not home when I come over, oh, we have a problem, right? If someone said that to you, like, hey, I would love to hang out with you, but like, man, do you have to bring him again? Like he's always, you're always with him. Yeah, it's my husband. <laughs> I know. Why'd you do that? <laughs> that's a problem. And listen, that statement, hey, I love Jesus, but not his church. That's what you're saying. Hey, Jesus, I'm all for you, but can you just get rid of your bride? Oh, it doesn't work like that. This is a package deal, right? Just like if you're married, you and your spouse, like it's a package deal. If you're gonna come to our house, you're not coming to my house with all these other people there. This is our home. This, like Jesus, this is his church. Now, I, I'm, I'm, uh, this does not mean the church is perfect, Right? In fact, I could say this, uh, and I'm gonna have you do this. If, uh, I'm gonna you to take a bold, bold leap of faith here. Uh, if you've ever had a really negative experience at church, you just put your hand up real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm gonna guess if you've been in church for a while, that uh, will be near all of us. I hope that at the same time, you're not saying like, and it's also this church. <laughs> Okay, and maybe it is. All right, I want to know about it. But, but like we all have experiences, negative experiences at church. What we're saying isn't that church is perfect and so therefore you come, but rather what we're saying is, listen, this is, take it or leave it, this is the bride of Christ and this is the church and there's no other option. And it's messy because it's filled with messy people. Now, this is where we get into real emotional debates. I say debates, but what I really mean is fights. We get into really good, we're really good at fighting and dividing and especially over this next topic. The topic of who's in charge of leading. Who gets to lead the church? How do we decide? Like you're, you're, I'm a, I, right now you're looking at a guy on the stage and maybe you're thinking like, what gives him the right? <laughs> Who does he think he is? Like, and, and some of us might even be like, I could totally do a better job. And that's probably true. Maybe you could. I, I'm not gonna say you can't, but why, why him, right? You go to another church and like, how, all right, why, why, why is this, how is this the leader? And what happens, what can happen is that we can get into fights because we're sinful people over who gets to be in charge. Because I can tell you this, a lot of people like being in charge. You like being in charge, right? You like being in control? Okay, yep, I see that hand. I'm, I'll keep my eye out for you. Okay, who else? <laughs> Here's what we see. God, the way he set it up, he puts qualified people in positions of leadership for his church. And it doesn't mean they're the only people that could do it, but that this is specifically, he says, this is how I want you to do it. This is how it's, it's gonna be led by people for people. 
We see the leaders of the church, there's, there's three particular Greek words and they're really important. And this is probably, uh, might mess you up a little bit because it might be counter to what you've maybe always heard as just being true. And, uh, and so if, if you, even if you question me, please, first of all, you should, you should question what I say uh, because if you ask my wife, most of what I say is questionable. <laughs> uh, but like, you don't just take my word for it because I say it, look into it. There are three Greek words for, uh, for leaders of the church, and here they are. And this gets us in a world of, of disagreement. The first is the, where we get the word elder, and it's presbyteros. It's where, also where we get the word like presbyterian or presbytery. Um, it comes from this Greek word, and it's what we translate to elder. So if you've been at a church that has an elder board, um, this, is where, like the, this is where the word comes from. You're like, oh, these are elder, this is the elder board or, or board of elders, and these are elders, and he's an elder, and he serves as that in that position or that role. All right, great. The second is the pastor, or often referred to in Scripture as shepherd, and that Greek word is poimen, a different Greek word. And it literally means shepherd that we refer to as like pastors. Like, I, you know, I'm a pa- I've got a pastor to my name. I'm a, I'm a pastor. All right, I'm a, I'm, that fits to me. And then there's a third one, which is translated overseer. And this is episkopos, where we get like a, episcopalian, right? Maybe you've heard of, uh, you, maybe some of us grew up in that kind of denomination, that kind of vein. And, and like, that's where we get this word. All right, overseers. Now, there's a number of places in the scripture where we see these words. And there's a, there's a few places where they all show up together. And this is important. And we're gonna read one of them. There's, there's others we could turn to. Um, but here's what we see in, in, in Peter. He writes this in 1 Peter chapter five. So I, Peter, exhort the elders, presbyteros among you, as a fellow elder, as a fellow presbyteros, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Here's what he says to the presbyteros, ready? To the elders. He says, shepherd, poimen, pastor, the flock of God that is among you. To the elders, here's what I want you to do. Elders, I want you to pastor. Oh, and then here's what you're gonna do. Ready? Exercising, here it is. Oversight, episkopos. Not under compulsion, but willingly. Here's the thing that maybe is going to mess with you a little bit. All biblically, in Scripture, all three of those roles are the same person. And they refer to the same role. They're different words, they're different functions of this role. Often what, what happens is um, like in churches, you'll get like um, an elder board and say, these are the elders. And then we have the paid staff under them and there's pastors who are paid, but they're not elders. And then under them, we have maybe overseers or, or what we like to do is we like to call them, ready? Committees. We have committees. We churches love committees, right? Um, I'm actually thinking about starting a committee to research committees. So if you want to serve on that committee, we'll have a nominating committee for that committee. If you'd like to, to commit to this committee. And so we have this whole system and structure of how we set things up, but listen, okay, ready? If we're honest, if we're not supposed to tell you this. Churches have made them all up. The church structures, this is why there's so many different ones, because in scripture, there is no, this is how the church should be governed. This is the structure. This is how you should do it. And this is the roles. And this is the hierarchy of who reports to who. This is why churches have to have like constitutions and, and they have different levels, like different, different kinds of church governance because there is, like when we read the scriptures, we see it, here's what's clear. God says to appoint people to lead. 
And these people are to be elders and they're to, to pastor and shepherd and they're to exercise oversight. And what we like to do is split them all up, but, but biblically that's hard to do. Now, that may be counter to what you've heard in the past. I, I get that. Um, I'm also right. <laughs> I remember reading through this and being like messing me up. Even reading books and be like, this can't be right. And then like every book after book. Yeah, we agree. Yeah, yeah it seems to be like this is all one role. Like, wow. So God puts people in roles and, and here's what you've experienced. Here's what you know to be true, what I know to be true. If you have a good leader, things are really good. Oh man, it's great. I love my church. I love the direction. I love what we're doing. I love all the stuff. I love the kids. I love the thing. I love all the stuff. The, oh man, I just love church. But if you have a bad leader or a difficult leader, well, oof, you, you've probably left that church, right? Leadership is a big deal. This is why when the Bible speaks of, of um, it doesn't speak of the calling of leaders. Here's what it talks about. Ready? The Bible speaks specifically of qualifications for these leaders. And it lists out a whole bunch of qualifications. Here's what they're supposed to do and not do. And one of the qualifications isn't, well, I feel called. I feel called is not a qualification for being in leadership at church. We often elevate this idea of a pastoral call. And, and I do believe in a pastoral call, but that's not enough. No one get, listen, if, uh, ooh, do I say this? Uh, here we go, right? Whatever. It's my last Sunday anyway, so what do I care? <laughs> Just kidding. If you ever get someone on stage who says, I'm called by God and there's nothing you can do about it, run from that. I'm telling you. If that person is unqualified, but, is, but, but says that I have this calling and so therefore you should just do whatever I say, ooh, biblically, you have overstepped. There are qualifications. And because there's qualifications, you can be disqualified from ministry. You can become disqualified. I can become disqualified from ministry, even though maybe I really, really, really want to. The Bible is very, very clear on this and, and it's very extremely extremely important. So how? As long as your leaders are qualified, as long as you, uh, you, you, you consider them to be good leaders, not that you agree with every single thing, but all right, how should you respond? How should you, how should you uh, interact with church leadership? Well, the, what do you know? The Bible talks about that too. And this verse, um, I hesitate to read because it's gonna feel self-serving and, and you'll see why here in a second, but the Bible says it and so do we. Hebrews 13, it says this, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Go ahead and underline that, circle it. Uh, if you need a life verse, that's a great one. You could, here's what he says. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you. Now here's where it gets a little, little weird for me. Um, as those who must give an account. Ooh, okay. Whatever judgments we get, mine will be different than yours. Like as a church leader, it, it's what seems to be the case is I'm gonna have to give an account to how I did this. Ooh, that's serious. Do this so that their work will be a joy. Submit to the leadership, the authority, so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that'd be no benefit to you. So here's what you get to decide. Do I trust the leadership? That's what you get to decide. Every church you go to, and I, I, you're at this church right now, and I'm not assuming you'll be here forever. And, and after today, you may be like, see ya. And, but, like, but like, listen, whatever church you find yourself at, here's how you decide if, you, if this is your church or not. Can I trust them? 
And it may take a while for you to get to that point where you say like, I, I do. Um, I, um, uh, I, met with a, I met with a couple this last, uh, I don't know, gosh, a number of months ago um, and uh, about, uh, about an issue. And one of the things that they said, and I was like, man, good on you for this. They said, you know, we haven't, we haven't, I always want to say, we haven't agreed with every decision you make during the pandemic. We would have done things differently. But we can honestly say we trust the leadership and we trust you and what you're doing. Whoa, thank you. That, that's a great vote of confidence. And, and also like, what did you not like? <laughs> There's a level of like, I can trust, even though I don't agree with every single little thing. Like, all right, I, I might do a little different, but I trust the leadership. They're trustworthy. I can say this too. If you ever get to a point, I, I, honestly, wholeheartedly, if you ever get to a point where you say, I don't trust the leadership anymore. And not because like, you know, they sang a song that I didn't like, but like a real deep issue of trust. You should leave the church and find another one. That's, that's a sign that it may be time to find another local church. I can't trust the leadership of this church. Okay, that's fine. There are plenty, good, God, the way God set up, there's plenty of other churches. But this trust is that important. We see this too, the church, this essential church, the church is essential for Jesus' mission. Now let's talk about the why. Why did God design it this way? We talk about the Great Commission, right? And this is Jesus' words as uh, the end of Matthew, where right as he's about to ascend up to the Father, he says this. He says, now all, he says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all I commanded you. I'm with you to the very end. That's the mission statement of the church that no other organization has. And this is, what God, this is what Jesus wants for us. If you are a follower of Jesus, that applies to you. That, that applies to you. That's his calling on your life. How does he do this? How does he use this, the church to do this? He's, Ephesians 4, Paul tells us. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And here's the role. Here's why they exist. Here's why, here's why we have all this staff and all these people in charge and leadership to equip his people for works of service. Not to do it themselves. Not the, hey, we pay you guys to go do all this. No, 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 no. We devote ourselves to equipping the church to do it. That means you. You're part of this, Remember? You're a priest, a priestess. <laughs> and it says this, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. The only way this works, ready? Is if the church is organized. <laughs> and God sets it up. He says, here's how you organize yourselves. You, you put people in charge and leadership and they gotta be qualified. This is that big of a deal. They got to have trust. If you can trust them, let them lead. We can say this, the church is essential for Jesus' mission. And here's the last thing. The church, okay, now ready, this is for you. The church is essential for you. So join the mission. <laughs> this isn't optional. It isn't like, oh, I come to church, you know, when I feel like it, or, you know, if, I, if the things are going well, I'll come, or, or if they're not going well, then I'll come. And, and, but like, you know, ah, yeah, we'll, we'll come when we have time. So now I'm, you don't have to be here every week. I'm, that's not, that's not, it's not about like checking a box that I attended or not. But the church is essential for you. 
If not this church, some church, you gotta be in a church because that's the bride. That's saying, hey, Jesus, I like you, but not your spouse. No, no. The church is essential for you and you are essential to it. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And he goes through this entire illustration of how we all have a different part to play. We're literally a different part of the body. We're all, we can't all be the same part. And when one part hurts, the other one hurts. And when one rejoices, the other rejoices. And then he sums it up and he ends it with this. He says, now, the, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I've, I've read this back and forth every which way. I've studied spiritual gifts. You know what I've, I've found? There's no spiritual gift of bench warming. Did you know that? It's not in there. I didn't find it. Listen, this, this is not a spectator sport where you just show up and watch. This is a get in the game. You are a part of the mission and, and you're crucial to it. It's essential for you, so join the mission. If, if you don't know your part to play or what that is yet, great, it's time. It's time to figure it out. It's time to start serving and realize, all right, I, I've never served before, but okay, I, I think, all right, I don't, I don't even know where I would go. And, and a lot of times we'll, we'll say, hey, just start greeting. Just start shaking hands once a month. Just come, see what happens. And they love it. <sighs> Why did it take so long to do this? Or maybe they want to work with kids or maybe they just want to rock babies. And it's like, I'm in my happy, I, like for an hour and then I give them back. It's the best. It's the greatest experience. Someone else's problem after that. The church is essential for you, so join the mission. Whatever, whatever part you play, it's time to start deciding or figure out what that role is. Now we're gonna end with worship and, and, and we're gonna take communion together. Um, so would you do this? Would you stand with me? And, and if you don't yet, if, make sure you grab one of the elements on either your chair or the chair next to you and have it with you. And we'll take it here in a second, but we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna, we're gonna worship the Lord together and then we'll take this together. So hold on to this. So Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you that for whatever reason, you chose to use people to establish and build your church. Imperfect, sinful people. And we don't take that lightly. So Lord, may all of us, may all of us find our role in your church, whatever that may be. May we, may we get in the game to see your kingdom expand. Let's worship together.